Now today I'm going to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Getting Ready for the Coming Christmas. Now I know for some of you, you're thinking that's Tuesday. Well, you're wrong as to where this message is going to go, but that's all right. We're going to have a good time talking about the coming Christmas and getting ready for the coming Christmas. I want you to think for just a moment, what is Christmas about? The birth of Jesus, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Who was that son? Jesus. What are we going to celebrate on Tuesday? The coming of Jesus. But do you know there's a future Christmas? It's called the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. He has not come back, but he is coming. And you will see how it's beautifully taught in the Scripture if you'll open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're getting into that time of the Christmas story, and all of it is contained in these pages. But I want you to think with me for a moment about what this Christmas means and how we can apply it to the coming Christmas when Jesus comes back to this earth again. Before I read the Scripture, let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody that God has promised them that they will not die before Christmas? And I mean Tuesday. As I was preparing this message yesterday, or really completing it and filling in the blanks, I was thinking about that question, do you know anyone that God's promise will not die before Christmas? We're all planning on being here tomorrow night, but we don't know what another day is going to bring. We don't know if we'll even be here. While I was doing that yesterday in my office, my phone rang, and Emory Gad called me. And told me that Ken Altum had passed away in Arkansas. This family grew up in this church. Their, their history goes back. Their three daughters grew up here. And Kent was here not long ago. They were planning for Christmas in Arkansas, but he passed away yesterday morning. If you were here early, you saw Emory and I talking to a precious lady over here a while ago. And she came to tell me last week she was here with her mother. Sat right up here on the front row. This morning she died, and Sagemont is going to take a lead in this, taking care of this precious, precious lady that could hardly move, but she just, if she could stand up, she was brought to church every Sunday, but she's celebrating Christmas in heaven. None of us know what another day is going to bring. However, there's going to be some good news before this message is over. Because there's another Christmas going to come. And we'll talk about it in a minute. The Bible says none of us know what another day is going to bring. Death is as real as life. It's here today. And it's gone tomorrow. Can I give you an incredible statistic? Out of every 1,000 people that are born, 1,000 of them die. It's 100%. But thank God, there's more to the story than just a little baby. So I want you to pick up with me in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 25. 
Listen very carefully. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this because this is a unique situation. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And it came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of the earth. Simeon is the only man I know that was promised would be alive when Jesus was born. He was an old man, but he wanted to see Jesus. And the Lord said, I'm going to grant you that promise. You will not die before Christmas, that first Christmas. And he did not. But shortly thereafter, he did. You see, folks, we live in a world where religion has overshadowed relationships. We live in a world where we think of religion as a bunch of do's and don'ts. Rather than do you know him or do you not? Do you understand that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? He is the creator. My question is, do you know him? In Bethlehem, a babe was born of a virgin. She never knew a man. But the prophecy of many, many years before was fulfilled when a little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger attracted the wisest of men to come and to see him. It was all a promise from God. God had promised it, and anything he promises, he will fulfill. I want us to think about him for a moment, and I want you to think about yourself as I've thought about myself. How would you like to have a promise this morning from God that you'll be alive on Christmas morning? That's just a few hours away. But he would guarantee that, that you'd be there to celebrate one more Christmas with your family. What would be your reaction to that? Well, what would be your reaction to the fact that, that at the second Christmas, those that are alive are going to see the Lord coming in the air, and those that are dead are going to rise from the grave when Jesus comes back again? That's a promise. That's a promise. But when you look at this man, Simeon, he was getting ready for this first Christmas. And as he was getting ready for the first Christmas, he prepared himself for the first Christmas. So my challenge to me and to you is, if we know that Jesus is coming back again to this earth, as he said he would, is it not important to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to be one of those people that just pass through life like everybody else, 
just waiting for what the news is by what the news stations tell us rather than thus saith the Lord. This is the good news. All other news is speculation. People will announce it, then they'll try to explain it. And all you have to do is just turn the dial and everybody's explaining the same thing in a different way. But when Jesus comes back again, nobody's going to have to explain it. It's all right here. The promises are all right here. Every word is inspired and inerrant and infallible in this book. So I want you, before I move any further in this message, to be assured that Jesus came to this earth. It is Christmas. It's not Xmas. It's Christmas. Say it with me. Christmas. That's what it is. It's his birthday. We know exactly what it is as believers. But what do you know when the Word became flesh and dwelt among men and the babe was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he grew up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? All that we know about that Christmas, my question to you is, what about the coming Christmas when Jesus comes back again? Are you ready for that? Do you even understand it? Do you know what it's about? Is it just something that you've heard passing by, maybe turning through the dials on television or radio or somebody said something about it? But do you understand that the Bible clearly says this same Jesus that you see going to heaven and that baby grew up, never sinned, went about doing good, did all kinds of miracles, gave his life on a cross, shed his blood to pay for our sin, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rose from the grave, and he is alive. He sits now at the right hand of the Father. He knows everything that's going on all over the world, what we see going on, and what is going on in our hearts and in our lives. And our Lord is seeing now, our God Jehovah is seeing his son rejected. The only name given among men whereby we could be saved is Jesus, born in Bethlehem, died in Jerusalem, and rose from a grave and is coming again. All of it fits in. It is not what we want to make it to be. It's, it's time to be jolly. It's time to be happy. It's, no, it's time to be real. There'll be a lot of crying at Christmas because this will be the first Christmas of its type for you and you can just put in the details. I've never gone through this, never had this situation, never had that. But there is a constant thing in all of our situations. Jesus, the little babe, is sitting at the right hand of the Father while preparation is made. For the second Christmas. Jesus is coming again. Just as surely as he came the first time, he's going to come the second time. First time he was put in a manger, the next time he'd be put on a throne as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. First time he went to a crucifixion, the second time he's going to come to a coronation when he will be crowned. First time he stood before Pontius Pilate who sentenced him to execution. 
When he comes back the second time, Pilate will stand before Jesus and will be cast into eternal darkness because rather than receive Jesus as Lord, he crucified him. He crucified him. You remember? There was no room in the inn. Remember that story? You know what? When he comes back, he's going to possess the world. He's, he's, he's going to own it all. He'll own the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll own the hills that they graze on. And all together, God will be crowned king. We will be called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So I want to move with you real quickly as we think about how to get ready for the first Christmas. And some of you say, yeah, if you'll cut this sermon a little shorter, I can keep on getting ready because I know the stores are open. But if you'll come off of that pony that you will be looking at come January 31st and wonder what in the world was I thinking about when I charged all this stuff. Well, that's another sermon, all right? Let's go back to Simeon. Number one, Simeon was saved. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. That's called salvation. He was saved. He was a just man. Justified, we are, by the blood of Jesus. But we're not only sinners saved by grace, but we're ch children of the King. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're a part of his family. And so when we look at this man and we think about his life, the way we get saved, we are justified through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked forward to Jesus coming back again as Simeon looked forward to Jesus coming the first time that he could just hold the baby for just a little while and see all of those prophecies fulfilled that he was so familiar with. But you know something? You're not ready even for this Christmas, and you certainly are not ready for the coming Christmas if you're not saved. You have no hope. There's no other name, according to this book, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You must understand. You say, well, I don't understand the Bible. You don't have to understand the Bible. It's called faith. You just simply hear it, believe it, accept it, and the Bible says you will be born again at that moment. When you just acknowledge what everybody knows about you, you are a sinner. You don't say, well, I don't want people to find out. They already know because it takes a sinner to know a sinner. And so we all recognize that in each other. There's no argument about us all being sinners. The argument is who's king of kings and who's lord of lords? Who is the savior of the world? I know all the other religious leaders I ever studied are all dead. You can go to their grave if you were where they're buried today. Name the religion, he's dead. Except one. And there's going to be a second Christmas. That same Jesus, as you see going to heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. You say, well, what do I do? You pray. Well, what do you pray? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. 
I need salvation. I need my sin to be forgiven. I can't handle this. I've tried all kinds of things. I've changed this, done this, not done that. But there's not a peace in my life because I do not know you personally as my Lord and my Savior. And listen to me, friends. If you do not come to Jesus before you die, you will come to Jesus after you die. And you don't want that experience. When he will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. Why didn't he know you? Because you were unwilling to introduce yourself to him and call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior and your Lord. That's why. There's nothing you can blame him for. You can say, I know, I'm going to blame him on this one. I knew, I know this one. He went to church. He did this. He did that. She did this. She did that. And that's the reason. The Lord won't entertain that one iota. What did you do with my son, Jesus? This man, not only was a saved man, but he was a surrendered man. He was a devout man. The same man was just and devout. He was a godly man. Now, when, when people are really born again, their life changes. The Bible says old things pass away and all things become new. When you become a real born-again Christian, you quit living like the devil and you start trying to live like Jesus. You get frustrated because you're not like him, but, but you get closer. And every day with Jesus is what? Sweeter than the day before. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That's the Bible. That's the reason we come to church every week. That's the reason we read the Bible every day. That's the reason we pray without ceasing, because it is a journey. We are traveling on a journey here on this earth. We are going through Christmas. We're seeing people do it right, and we're seeing people do it wrong. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is Lord and Savior and the soon coming king. Simeon was ready for whatever came in his life. He was ready to die. Once he had held the baby, he said, I'm ready. Thank you for granting my wish, but I'm ready. We're to sing, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. A lot of people sing it, take my life and let me be. Just leave me alone. Many people, many people go through a mock prayer and believe that because they prayed these words, now they're saved, and then they go back to living the same life they've always lived. You know what the Bible says? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. Like you've heard me say many times, for those who have been with me for a half a century, we're not what we ought to be, we're not what we want to be, but thank God we ain't what we was. What a wonderful change in our life was wrought when Jesus came into our heart. And you know what? There's no shortcuts to holiness. You don't get saved and become holy like that. You have to grow in your faith. You have to continue to seek the Lord. The Lord wants to guide us and train us and teach us just like your little child is born. You train that child. They go through all of these different years and then finally they go on their own. But there's a process. Same thing is true in being born again. The same thing is true in being, getting ready for the coming Christmas. We have to learn 
that there's no shortcuts to holiness. We're to be holy as He is holy. So in order for us to be holy, we have to know more about Him who is holy. And then, to be like Jesus, we'll sing, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like Him. We don't need greater talent, not even greater learning. But we need greater holiness. We need to be men and women of holiness. The Bible says, be holy as he is holy. That's a challenge. Well, what is holiness? It's nothing less than conforming to the character of God. He is the holy one, and we're to be like him. And it's not a Sunday morning experience every once in a while. It's not reading a Bible verse or saying a prayer every once in a while. It is a continual thing. We have to continue every day of our life knowing that the enemy's out to ambush us. He's out to catch us. He's out to trick us. He's out, out to con us. He's out to get us to believe that really the people in the world are really having a good time and you're not having a good time. But you know what? The longer you live and the more you walk with God, you realize, hey, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He is the one that I want to be like. Well, why was he so devout, Simeon? I think Simeon was so devout because, first of all, he was looking for Jesus to come. And secondly, the consolation of Israel and the preparation for Jesus to come back to this earth again. Number three, he was a spiritual man. He was a spiritual man. Ephesians 5.18 says that we're to be filled with the Spirit. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? Why we struggle so much? I struggle at times. You struggle at times. But sometimes we find ourselves enduring religion instead of enjoying salvation. It's wonderful to have those chains broken. I don't want to drink that. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to say that. That was my old life. But today, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. You know what's wrong with many of us? Again, we're just trying to endure religion. I want you to go away from here and join your salvation. I love to sing that song growing up, Saved, Saved, Saved. And I like that chorus because even those that couldn't sing could sing the last three words. I'm saved, saved, saved. Pretty good, huh? I don't mean my voice. What I mean is it gets sweeter as the days go by. I'm having more fun being saved now at my age than I did when I was a kid. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I just keep saying that because it's true. It's true. But there was a day in my life when I found out the real meaning of Christmas. I don't want for anything. If you know the Lord, you don't want for anything, just except I just want to be like Jesus. Not my will, but thine be done. 
Father, that's all I ask. That's all I ask is to be like you. Now, you know how you can be like Jesus? Here's the way you become like Jesus. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he that's in you is the one that's greater than he that's in the world. Well, how do you do that? Do you have to turn flips, speak in tongues, jump up and down, play glory to God, and scoot across the ground on the seat of your pants and say, I got it, I got it, I got it? No, that's not what happens. But when Jesus comes into your life in the person of the Holy Spirit, that joy comes, that peace comes, that comfort comes, that purpose comes, and on and on you could just put many, many words to it. When Jesus comes into your life, old things pass away and everything becomes new. I'm afraid that too many of us, and I may be one of them, do too much talking and not enough walking. But I tell you what, I've been around people that get talk your arms off and live like the devil. They could tell me, I heard this preaching, I've read this in the Bible, we ought to do this, we ought to do that, and then turn them loose, and there's no difference in their life. You know what? When the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life, you don't go to some places you used to go to. You don't do some of the things you used to do. You, you have a whole new vocabulary. You, you even have a whole different group of friends. You trade in the old ones for the new ones. You begin to trade in those that, that have caused you to drift, and you become a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a big, big, big difference. The Lord still has some people today, thank God, that often say to others, Jesus is coming. The second Christmas is coming. They still look and see the signs of the time unfold week by week by week. My dear friends, if you're not listening and watching the news of the world, not just America, but if you don't understand what's going on in this world today and know what the Scripture said would go on before Jesus comes back again, you need to adjust your calendar. You need to be smarter than your friends that pay no attention to what this book says. They pay no attention to how the world unfolds it on all of your news stations. But I know one thing. Jesus is alive and well, and he isn't going to veer one iota. He's not going to wait till we all get together. He's going to wait until the last one comes to know the meaning of the second Christmas. And when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we're prepared for whatever. If we live here... We're going to bring glory to God, and God's going to bless us. If we live there, we're going to take our crown off and put it at his feet and say, Jesus, thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. Simeon saw Jesus. In that moment, he held him, and he could see Jesus' ministry. And he began to see as he watched that Jesus is the Christ of deliverance. That's what he does. He delivers us. He sets us free. He takes us out of the sinking sand. He puts us upon the solid rock. And he is a God of deliverance. Jesus came, read the Bible, to set his people free. That's what he came for. 
that we're not hooked on this and hooked on that. But we're set free, and we can live as God wants us to live. God does not love us because we're valuable, but rather because he loves us, we become valuable. He doesn't look to us first. Who he is, that's who we become. What we have that's good is a part of Jesus. If we are saved, we're one of God's children. If we're not, we are not. Jesus is the Christ of delight. When you read in the scripture, you read how, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, verse 30, which thou hast prepared before the face of all of the people. You're able to seek Jesus in things. When you see those that are mourning, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we see those that are hungered, we know that there are those that spiritually hunger for righteousness, not only food, but for righteousness. And we talk about missions around the world. Many of those nations, they desperately need food, physical food, but more so, they need the Word of God, the bread of life. The good news for a lot of people that say they're Christians is just good advice. It's just good advice. They think about it and they'll bring up things and say, well, that sounds good and so forth. But that's not what Christianity is all about. That's not what being born again is all about. When we become a believer, we are a new person 24-7. We don't just ride the roller coaster, but we get on the solid rock, and he becomes our Lord and our Savior. In verse 35, it says that he's the Christ of disclosure. Yea, a sword shall pierce through my own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus died, and many others have died since then because Jesus died in order we could be saved. Others have died because of their faith in him. But the measuring stick is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus the Christ. What we think of Jesus tells God what we think of him. Think about that. What do you think about Jesus, God's only son? God knows. And you know how he interprets what your thoughts are? That's exactly what you think about him. Jesus is the only way, or he's none of the ways, to salvation. Christmas is a blessed time. I believe in celebrating it in every way that will bring glory to God. But the point of the matter is, many of us don't understand still the importance of the baby Jesus. He was the promised one. He was the only promised one. There is none other but him. There's not many kinds of him. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Some are going to receive him. Some are going to reject him. And by the way, it will always be that way. We're not going to see a time when everybody jumps on the board and says, let's all run to Jesus. Not going to happen. 
Not going to happen. There will be a separation one day. Some say yes. Some say no. Same level of intelligence. Maybe living in the same place. Maybe have the same heredity. But one believes and one doesn't. That's what the Bible says. Two will be at work. One will be taken. The other will be left. What will you do with Jesus? The same Jesus causes some to repent and the same Jesus causes some to rebel. Some met Jesus and said, I don't want anything. I don't want him. I don't want him. Crucify him. Crucify him. I don't want anything to do with him. But others fell on their face and their life was instantly changed. And many, like the great apostle Paul, one of the meanest people that ever lived, one day fell at the feet of Jesus. And look what he's done for us in the writing of his holy word. You know, you've heard this probably growing up. The same sun that melts butter hardens clay. You ever hear that saying? Think about it. Same sun that melts butter hardens clay. The same gospel that saves some causes others to reject, hardens them. I'm not doing that. I'm too much of a man to do that. I've got too much money to do that. I've got too much influence in my culture to do that. That's what it is. Same son, S-O-N. You either receive him or you reject him. So as I close, now you have to respond. You can say yes or you can say no. You can say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree with a lot of it. But I know I have a choice. I can either choose Jesus as my Savior and accept God's gift, or I'm just going to let him be my judge. And I think when I stand before the Father that I'll be able to make my case as to why I rejected the only begotten Son of God. You want to bet on that? That you would win that? Of course not. Of course not. He is the way to get ready for Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, I remember that song. All I want for Christmas my two front teeth. Well, you got them and they're ugly. <laughs> but what do you really want for Christmas? Let me tell you something. If you're lost, I'm offering you something today, not I. God's offering to you that money can't buy and death can't take away from you. I know you've extended your credit cards as long as you can. You've maxed them out. God will forgive you one day, I hope. But what I'm talking to you about is free. No, you don't have to get in the lottery. You don't have to buy a ticket. What you have to do is be born again. It's a gift. So, if you get ready for Christmas, here, this one, Tuesday, and you don't get ready for the coming Christmas, you're going to make a terrible mistake. But why don't you do both? Why don't you tie up the loose ends to celebrate on Tuesday? Come be with us tomorrow. 
two, four, or six. Why don't you do all that? Well, why don't you do something else today? Before you walk out of this door, if your credit cards are maxed out, the bank has no more money in it, there is a gift for you today of salvation offered by a resurrected Savior, the real thing. If you want to be ready for the coming Christmas, when Jesus splits the heavens with a shout, you have to trust him as Savior. You can be ready for this Christmas and not be ready for that Christmas. But if you get ready for that Christmas, this Christmas will take care of itself. Your choice. So are you ready? If you're ready for Tuesday, then you ought to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. If you can honestly say, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm going to celebrate Christmas the way God wants me to celebrate it. I know him as my Savior. I've received his gift of eternal life. I am ready. And if Jesus comes on Wednesday, and we have two Christmases, one right behind the other, and the trumpet sounds, we'll go and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in the Christ who came in Bethlehem, you can be prepared for the Christ that's going to split the heavens with a shout. You're ready. If you treat the babe right, and that babe died on the cross, and you receive his supplemental sacrifice for your sins, if you have done that, you're ready for the coming Christmas. If you have not, why not do it today?